Welcome to the Tuluminina podcast, presenting stories from the women living in Tulum, Mexico. Be inspired by their life in the jungle, find out what makes Tulum so unique and get to know the favorite places of the locals. Hi everyone, I'm greeting you to a new episode in which I have the honor to talk with a lady which is making Tulum bloom and that <laughs> literally. <laughs> Today I chat with Violeta Jimenez who is one of the founders of Sendero Verde which is basically Tulum's first real park. But Violeta will tell us more in person now about what it took to make this project take roots and start to grow. So, hola, Violeta. It's so great to have you here in the podcast today. Hola, Marieta. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, my name is Violeta. I'm from Argentina. I've been here for nine years. And at the moment, I'm working in two projects. One is Sendero Verde and the other one is Orale Healthy Snacks. We are trying to change this habit of us of eating sabritas, which is very, very, very popular here in Mexico and all these snacks from the abarrotes, from the little kioscos. So we are trying to change it to a healthier option. We are doing that because of us, because we, pass uh, my partner and me, we were not finding an option that we like and choose. That's why we chose to, to work on that a little bit. So nice. So two different projects you're working on. There's a lot to talk about. First, I would love to know how you ended up in Tulum. Yeah, well, it's a curious story. I was a traveler, let's say. I was uh, traveling for seven years uh, around the world. I, um, I used to do this dynamic in my life, which was uh, getting to a country and work a little bit there, immerse myself a little bit in the culture, learn uh, the most I could from that culture, and save while working, and then getting to move to another place and doing the same. So that way I, I visited, well, a lot of countries. I don't have the number, but I visited uh, countries in the American continent and uh, also in, in South Asia and Europe and Africa and I live in New Zealand also so uh, I kind of uh, took a lot of I mean the most I could of my learnings <laughs> from everywhere I could visit uh, my, my first idea before coming to Mexico uh, was to stay a little bit here in Tulum probably for a season or something like that and then continue moving and then I don't know when or how but I, I kept on staying here it's been nine years from that yeah that's the story it was not a specific uh, date or point or situation or event that made me stay here it was just um, choosing on the moment what I was feeling like doing and uh, I was just feeling like staying here <laughs> for longer yeah. So your journey somehow took you here yeah. uh, in your life where you could travel all over the world, which I have to say sounds like a dream, especially now in these times of the pandemic <laughs> and uh, sounds like a dream life you, mm. you had and lived 
and um, just uh, let us know uh, how could you make this life possible? How could you work and live in different countries? Well, actually, right after I studied ecotourism, And right after I ended my career in Argentina, I uh, kind of um, searched uh, where I could go and work with my nationality. And then some countries would accept working visas, working permits for Argentinians. That's the way I got to New Zealand and then working there a lot <laughs> and saving. Uh, like the plan was always to save and go somewhere else. At that time, the most accessible destination was Southeast Asia. And um, yeah, I saved. I was uh, with my ex-partner and more friends. And we, um, we traveled to like, I don't know, like seven, seven countries in Southeast Asia. We went to India, Japan. We went to Cambodia, Malaysia, Singapore, China. And we did that with my savings and friends. And after that was finding a new place to do the same thing and like that for seven years. I went to also to the US, I went to uh, Ireland and then I got here. It does sound like a dream and it's been like a dream. It's been like another part of my life, which is very different of my life now. And uh, it enriched me a lot. So you have been working in the different countries in general in the hospitality area? Yeah, exactly. It's been always uh, working in, in service mostly. Yes. So it's been hospitality and, and restaurants, let's yeah. say. Yeah. So you gained a treasure box full of uh, knowledge about culture and how different people are, I guess. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and always I'm very curious about about everything. So I'm always uh, watching and trying to, I don't know, learn and absorb from interactions or from, I don't know, even from colors from nature. So um, that made me uh, feel really like going somewhere else and exploring a little bit more. So it's been, yeah, those years moving a lot. It's been a lot of information in, let's say, a short time, because seven years, it's a long time, but if you compared to the experience I feel I, I got, all the sense of global situation, I don't know, it's been, it's not a long time. So it's been a lot of information. Actually, sometimes I, my, my memories are, are uh, mixed up and then sometimes I, I, I remember something, but I don't remember where was that or who I was with. So it's uh, been a lot of information in a short time. And now it's a very different dynamic in my life because I've been here in, in Tulum for nine years and it's been mostly here. I return back to Argentina, visit family and friends and then sometimes I do vacation somewhere else but I've been mostly here. So it's been like two parts of my life that have been very different. One, it's been flying a lot and very unrooted. And here it's been more about settling here and being like quieter and taking more time with things. While traveling, everything was so fast. When you visit one place and another place and you don't know the culture, you lose a lot of things that are passing through you and maybe you don't get them. If you take time, 
you get to see more detail. So it's that's that's a part of my life now. I'm taking more time in in detail here <laughs> in nature. Very very beautiful that you now have found a place where you I guess feel also at home. But first, um, take us back nine years before you have moved to the Loom, before you even knew about this place. Do you remember the moment where you heard it the first time? Yeah, well, in the traveler world, other travelers doing similar things, like going here and there and staying and getting a visa and leaving, uh, we used to share this information, these tips, these traveling tips. It's it's a different way of traveling because we used to, I mean, we all this community used to live in, in different countries for a longer time. So it, it was not just vacation, but that's the way I got the recommendation for Tulum. A friend of mine told me, I think you would love Tulum. It's a place you're relaxed, you will enjoy, you like nature. I think it's somewhere you, you will like a lot. And that was the recommendation I decided to, to come here for. This is for me like so interesting why people come to Tulum and stay, right? So um, you have seen the world, you have seen so many, many, many different places and cultures. And yeah, like is there, like what's the reason why, why Tulum kept you? <laughs> yeah, I've been asked that question many times. <laughs> and actually... Uh, I have always been asked, asked um, which is my favorite place. Well, that's very hard to decide. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't know which is my favorite place. And the reason why I stayed, why I decided to stay here, I wouldn't have it very identified clearly. I was. Um, I've been answering when I when I'm asked this question that probably it's nature. What I understand that made me. Uh, stay here. I used to work in a hotel by the beach and I used to live there for some months and when living there it's when I, I got to know the sea turtle reproduction cycle and that I, I mean that was very special definitely and I think that made me appreciate nature more in detail. I don't know, I found some kind of magic in that. I can totally relate to that. I'm also so in love with nature here. It's so fascinating. And when you walk on the beach in the night and you just uh, enjoy the beautiful moonlight on the water's edge, and then, yeah, you see baby turtles hatching. I mean, this is, yeah, it's, it's just touching me so much. I can totally relate to what you feel. <laughs> So you have been living in Tulum nine years now. So you have seen the change of the place just in front of your, your face, right? Um, how does that feel for you to have known Tulum very untouched uh, and now this place where everybody invests in and it's growing and construction sites everywhere? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, actually, I remember right after arriving here to Tulum, or a year of being here, I used to talk to people and they used to tell me, well, now Tulum is different. And that, that was nine years ago. And they used to tell me, now Tulum is very different. I've been here 15 years and this is a very different place. And I just accepted that. I said, yeah, well, it's different. <laughs> and then with the, the, the pass of time, now it's very different of what I knew. It's very different. So I guess... 
it will keep on growing and I really hope we could grow it responsibly and respectfully. That's what I hope. It keep on growing. It's amazing. So there's a lot of distraction. Um, of course, I'm worried about that. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. It's very sad and it's very worrying. But I do have this hope. We, we all humanity can do it better, can do it nicer and that we won't destroy everything. <laughs> I really hope that. That's why I'm working on Sendero Verde, for example. That's totally why I'm working on that. Please let us know what is this project and what are you doing? Sendero Verde, it's a community project. So I used to live in this colonia, Villas Tulum, where Sendero Verde is located. And these two streets, they were the destination of, of our neighborhood's garbage construction waste and furniture fridges sofas everything and just the regular garbage the, the garbage in the bag that you put for the garbage truck but it, everything was there on the on the street and even though those two streets are the access of the neighborhood and we used to use it a lot walking or biking because they cannot be used for cars And yeah, there were uh, a couple of crime situations there and it was a very sad place itself. And with some neighbors, we decided to do something about it, to start working a little bit on that uh, without having a project or a name or, or a bigger idea. It was just trying to make it safer and, and nicer, not that sad, because sometimes we don't realize that we part of our day it's a sad situation and we can do something about it and then well Sendero Verde became this amazing project and it's been two years two years and a half we've been working with neighbors and other parts of, of uh, Tulum areas also in in making that place a place of nature conservation mm, fauna and flora conservation we've been learning a lot regarding nature, regarding neighbors, regarding relationships, regarding everything. Uh, species, I mean, it's been a lot of learning. We've been learning regarding communication, regarding recycling, uh, composta, community. I mean, it's, it's been beautiful, very magical. Yeah, for me, it's very special. And it makes my weeks very special, like each activity we have. I enjoy it, I enjoy them a lot, and I take them as an opportunity of learning and also sharing. You were uh, learning everything what you know about plants in this moment, or was it that you had also knowledge already about this before? Well, actually, my mom is a biologist, but I left my home country. I haven't been too long with my mom in the last 10 years or, or more. But she's always sharing me information. She loves uh, all this information. And yeah, definitely, I've been learning everything here. I've been learning uh, everything, mostly of the, of the native and local species here, uh, while we try to conserve and preserve. Yeah, that's the way I've been learning. And I love sharing. <laughs> as soon as I see a plant, I know what it is. I like uh, telling whoever is around. Do you know this one? Well, this one is, uh, I don't know, Habim and I don't know. 
This is so nice that you put up signs of the plants in the Sendero Verde so that when you walk through, you can learn about the native um, flora, but also the fauna, also some animal uh, signs are there. I really, really love that. Yeah, there's, I think there's a mapache. Have you seen it on the wall? Yes, yes. Painted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mapache is a raccoon just for si, the people. A raccoon. <laughs> That's true. I like sharing that information because we need more education. So as soon as we know this uh, salam tree, it's uh, good for this or it's uh, preserved because of that. That's why we put the signs. As soon as we get to know more detail, we become more sensitive and we are more careful about what we do with that tree or in that interaction with the environment. Yeah, I'm so impressed by what you do with this Sendero Verde because you have been starting this as neighbors, right? Talking about this and you were just saying we have to do something about this garbage dump behind our houses and I imagine this to be so hard especially in a place where everything is connected also with like the government you have to ask this person for permits i imagine that very hard yeah how was that like you just yeah. came there with shovels and started it? <laughs> yeah it was something like that you got the the perfect idea of how it was it was just like that first we with neighbors we used to have a whatsapp group and we said we should do something we just got together a little bit of money to make it being cleaned And then the situation with the clean Sendero Verde, I mean, with the clean streets, it was even more sad than before when there was garbage. So we, we said we need green here, we need life. This is all dead. It's uh, Sendero Verde, it's between two big companies, which is Super Aquí, the supermarket, and Bepensa, which is the company that distributes Coca-Cola here. So there's two big walls that goes just next to Sendero Verde. There's no uh, sidewalk or trees or nothing. I mean, there is now. There was no trees or sidewalk or, or a place to be under a shadow when it's summer and it's 38 degrees. So we said we need green here. We need this place to be alive. We got a donation of a palm and that was the very first tree that was planted there. And now there's a, well, we have received a lot of donations of trees mainly and plants. People is quite interested in trees and plants. We could have planted more than 50 trees for sure, natives. Well, we got experience about planting trees also, bigger trees and, and younger trees and what's better regarding, well, of course, uh, light and the rains and learning a lot about different uh, local species of trees and animals. And so it's been a lot of, um, yeah, you were saying, for example, it sounds very hard. We didn't start from there. We started from, we want this place to be alive and let's just do it with whatever we have. And it's been that dynamic from the very first day. It's been, let's do it with what we have. So we've been working a lot with garbage and reusing garbage and recycling garbage. Yeah, when we, we've been working, for example, with tires, car and bike tires, doing these sofas, and it's a material that if it's not useful for a car, then we usually don't use it anymore. And here, as you probably know, every garbage we leave on the street or in the house, every garbage goes to the jungle. 
So we have that idea very focused <laughs> and that's why we don't want to make any material that could still be useful get to the jungle. This is amazing and now Tendero Verde turned from a neighborhood initiative to an official uh, project, right? Is it like a registered park or, or how is the status quo, as to okay. say, right now of, of the Sendero Verde? Actually, that's a very important point because these two streets, which are Chemoyil <coughs> and Sagitario streets, they are streets on the plan of the city or town development. So uh, we've been approaching to the government And we've been asking as neighbors our needs. We need parks, we need green, we need these two streets to be places with trees. We, we've been uh, having meetings with different parts of the government and trying to make it official. It hasn't happened yet, but right now they, they of course know Sendero Verde, they know the project, and we hope it can turn an official change. Actually today I got a call from from a part of the of the government inviting Sendero Verde in a development that it's going to happen just around Sendero Verde. So they they know Sendero Verde is taking care, care of that, that place. They know we want to be involved in what's happening in the area. And uh, we have always tried to communicate that Sendero Verde can be also replicated in other parts of Tulum. That's very, very needed. There's a lot of uh, destruction, there's a lot of deforestation, there's a lot of concrete, more and more concrete. And we're in the, in the jungle regarding government. We have developed a project. It plans to have a community composta, which is already happening, a community orchard, cultural activities, and also an area for exercise in another area for kids, also an area for dogs, which is a sensitive situation regarding dogs. For example, in Sendero Verde, there is wild animals. So we need to be really careful in that interaction. That's why we planted this uh, dog area, which would be a separate area, so dogs can feel free, but they won't be a danger for wild animals. It's a little piece of jungle. So the, the, the project we developed, it actually takes this co-working and co-creating with every person that has been, has been interested in Sendero Verde. So as soon as um, somebody says, oh, I think we could develop this, that's a need. We are expressing as society that need. So as our formal structures government they are not offering that well we are trying to make them happen ourselves right now what we are seeing is that um, to make it grow and for this relationship with with government we are needing to make it an AC una asociación civil and that will make it easier with formal relationships with the municipio or with the state. Uh, so that's in what we are thinking now. We are planning it will need to turn into an AC or a, an ONG or something like that to continue the relations, the formal relations. 
how did you get all this work done? I guess you need like a huge team of people how to make this yeah happen. Well, it's been just inviting people. I'm saying we, Tulum community, we are needing changes and needing to do them ourselves. And it's been just inviting and not stop inviting it. I mean, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a lot of work. But um, I think this little team, we, are, we enjoy it a lot. So even though sometimes there's no people coming or there's just a few people coming, we do the activities anyway. And I think that it inspires people. They see us working. doesn't matter if we are three or five or 20 or 35. I would say the time we had more people uh, in, in one activity, it was about 50 people. And uh, it was amazing. I mean, job was done very fast. But I think the value that Sendero Verde has is that it's happening. It's happening and it doesn't stop happening. That's, I think that's the value that it has here in Tulum. Because here in Tulum, it's a... Uh, We, the population, are moving and staying here for a year and then leaving and then coming for months or, or staying for two years. So it's very hard to make something continuously. Mostly if it's something that it's not a business that hangs you, makes you stay there. So that's the value I think that Sendero Verde has, that we have been working and continue working and continue inviting and, and it has been continue happening with no stop. So this beautiful park has been growing with the help of volunteers, with the help of donations. It's been just like that. Volunteers and donations from a neighbor donating painting or a neighbor donating a tree, but also planting it. And then this neighbor is also watering that plant because that's another thing. It's not just putting the plant there or the tree there. It depends which is the tree or the plant and which time of the year it is. So the first time we got this donation, it was from the Botanical Garden in Puerto Morelos. And it was uh, 45 trees and they were young. They were like six months old. And we did this in June and then we got July and August with no rain. And they were very young. If we left them there, just to grow, they, they weren't able to grow by themselves, they were too young. So uh, we needed to water them and uh, every three days we would go with this uh, bucket of water and water each one until the rainy season came and they could be big enough to be there by themselves. <laughs> so it's been like that, but uh, always through communication. So we use a lot of WhatsApp, Instagram and Facebook and try to uh, communicate what we are doing and always trying to integrate and invite not just resources or but also ideas not just donation but also contacts and it, it's been like that growing with help and activity from anywhere and anyone <laughs> uh, willing to offer something the idea is to uh, reforest with uh, native trees And then sometimes a neighbor brings or offers, hey, I have 10 flamboyants, can I bring them, bring them here? Well, flamboyants, we have learned, they're not from here, even though in every Mexican park there's a flamboyant. They are from Madagascar. They are very comfortable in Mexican lands and they grow a lot. And sometimes they take the place from native trees. 
That's why we don't want to do that. We don't want to plant trees that are not from here. We want to just conserve what is from here. And if Sendero Verde is working with the help and donations of neighbors, you cannot say, no, no, flamboyant is not welcome, you know? I mean, me as a neighbor, I wouldn't understand why are you asking for a tree? And then when I bring a tree, you don't want it. <laughs> or you, you don't want it to be there. So then it's like triangulating <laughs> with somebody else that would like a, a flamboyant, which is also a beautiful tree with flowers and gives, uh, it, it has all the benefits and beauties of a tree, but not in the project. So it's, it's been like that, like trying to find the way. And it's, it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. It's just putting creativity on the first place, just uh, focusing on that. There's always a solution, a way to do it, and a way to, well, most of the people or everyone hopefully feel good about what we're doing. That's amazing and lovely that so many people also want to help in some kind of way. For example, travelers who are interested in Tulum and who are planning soon after it's possible again to visit Tulum, can they also um, get involved and, and help maybe and plant some trees or work in some other areas in the Sendero Verde? Yeah, totally. Always welcome. Everyone and everything is always welcome. We have had a visit of, of um, tourists and uh, also um, there's a lot of people like coming here and living for a season or living for a couple of months and uh, we are also trying to integrate them because uh, Sendero Verde it's a very nice way to learn about the environment here. Imagine a person from a big city but imagine a person from New York which we have a lot of visitors from there it's a very different lifestyle it's very important that we get to understand where we are to take care of the place it's, a city doesn't need the protection of the citizen itself Well, that's, that's what I understand. But nature needs the protection of each one of us, mostly in this place that it's uh, so fragile. So we did have visit of, of foreign girls and of course we are very happy to welcome them. And they are, most of the time, I mean all the times, they are very thankful of the project. It makes them understand a different part of this international destination. And how can they connect with you or Sendero Verde, how can they get involved? They can get in touch with us via Instagram or Facebook on Sendero Verde Tulum. Yeah, always willing to welcome everyone. Perfect. I will put that also in the show notes that the sure. people find it. Also, one question I have, I mean, there's a lot of trash uh, always on the streets. What I can see with my own eyes, I guess it's the same in Sendero Verde. How do you keep yourself motivated when you pick up trash from people who throw it there in your beautiful park that you built with your own hands? How do you keep motivated with this when you pick it up every day again and again and again? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a difficult subject. I mean, I don't get touched by that. I just naturally don't feel they are doing it to me or to Sendero Verde or they are doing it because they are, I don't know, bad people or they, I don't know. My belief is that we just need to learn. And uh, I believe I personally need to learn a lot in different things. And then another person still needs to learn a lot in something that right now I know, which is where to place your garbage. 
So I, I don't take it like so seriously. I mean, it is very serious. The, the garbage situation here is very serious. But we just need more education. We need to know more. We need to know the effect of what we do. We need to know what that garbage we left, that beer can we left on the jungle, what the effect could be. It can be a fire of thousands of hectares of jungle with all the light that has there inside. But sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we don't care. Sometimes we know and we don't care. But when you get the, the real picture, I guess it's impossible to deny it. <laughs> I mean, if you know that it can could make fire, I will never leave it in the jungle. So that's what I believe from other people. Another question I have is, what I find strange is I came with a taxi here and um, it was, of course, a taxi driver from Tulum. He lives here uh, and I said that I go to the Sendero Verde. He has never heard about that. Also, I was like, hey, it's a cool project. And it even has a place where you can put your compost. And it even has a place, a punto limpio, that means where you can put all your recyclables. And he was just looking at me, didn't know what I was talking about. So do you think that there's also a big, big trouble in there that the people just do not know about projects like this? Yes, probably. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, most of the projects we, we've been working together, they are new. Sendero Verde is two years and a half old, and then the rest are two, three years maximum. So it's all new, this um, interest of group of people trying to conserve. Probably what I think is that culture, like local culture, uh, is not used to uh, reforest or separate garbage or do compost probably there's people who doesn't even know what compost is not not where to do it but what it is <laughs> and uh, that's because here this use uh, all this area used to be just a jungle and people living around here they just used to burn their garbage and their garbage used to be just uh, natural things just fruits and vegetables it didn't used to be the package of snacks or the can of coca-cola and now uh, i know local population they're still uh, they still have that habit of burning garbage which is very har harmful for them and for the whole population so that's the information we need that's what we need to learn because it's uh, it's not that there's one information and that's the total truth regarding something forever I mean, habits, they change. And as we have changed our habits of consumption, we are needing now to change our habits of uh, depositing the garbage. It's something they, they don't know because it's something kind of new. Let's say it can have, I don't know, 10 years, probably here in America, the compost and the separation of, of uh, different materials that can be recyclable. Taxi driver, it's probably local. <laughs> That's why he probably doesn't know. So most of the people that go, comes to Sendero Verde, it's um, people not from here, not from Tulum. Most of the people that visit Sendero Verde, it's uh, foreign girls from other countries or from other parts of, the, of this country, places where this information has been around for longer. And also you said that in the Sendero Verde you 
um, only plant or try only to plant native plants, right? Uh, which is also amazing because they are easy also to handle. They are um, used to the climate and everything, and uh, they create this circle of uh, the ecosystem here where they belong. And do you have a favorite native plant, and why? Uh, well, there's there's this tree, salam which has this little flower, which is like like a round flower, a very special flower. It's not with petals, it's a round flower. <laughs> and it has this very sweet smell, it's beautiful. And here it is very used uh, for its uh, wood. I, I really love it when it's alive, no, not when it's uh, furnished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it's blooming, when it has flowers. Yeah, totally. Yeah, many times I, I see this uh, beautiful, huge table to share with friends and family. And then I see it's made of wood and I see this huge piece of tree. <laughs> and I'm like... <gasps> and there's a lot of uh, these, all these developments that they have been happening here lately. They have this amazing furniture or decoration and sometimes it's very, very destructive to nature. All this decoration with bejuco, which is the, the little um, kind of the rope where Tarzan used to hang, you know? Well, bejuco, it's from here, from the jungle, and now there's hotels and houses that are fully decorated, or, or the whole wall is uh, covered by bejuco. I mean, it's beautiful. It makes you feel nice, probably, when you get there. But uh, all that is, uh, it's not alive anymore. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Let's now look like five years into the future. What is then your vision for the Sendero Verde? We really dream to have the project done with all these little things I've been telling you with people working in the community, in the community orchard and um, taking care of their fruits and vegetables with cultural activities happening, I don't know, monthly or weekly in a beautiful um, and safe place. We, we've been asking the government to put light because as, as they were just a, a forgotten streets that were not used, They didn't have any light and, and that made the place a little bit dangerous. So we hopefully in five years could have Wi-Fi there, like free Wi-Fi, like in every park in Mexico, you know, you can access to free Wi-Fi and you can stay there. At the moment, there's a lot of uh, nature in Sendero Verde, but there's no places for us people to stay there for longer. We don't have like chairs and tables to stay for longer. So uh, hopefully in five years it will be a, a nice place to pass by and, and stay for some time and appreciate nature there. Uh, I hope this will come true, exactly See. how you described it. And you were also in the beginning talking about your other project, the Healthy Snacks. Yes. So how does that go and how did that evolve? It started with, uh, with the pandemic. And the idea, as, as I was saying before, the idea was to find an alternative, a healthy, very delicious <laughs> alternative to the regular thing when you hang with your friend or when you go to the airport. You have two hours from Tulum to the airport. Then you have two more hours at the airport waiting for your flight. And of course you'll be hungry. And then when I go to those stores in the airport, I never find something I like. It's always a lot of sugar and a lot of preservatives. Well, that 
came from there, from our need and wish of having very handy this way of having a healthy snack. We are working with local fruits and uh, also with some crackers. It's very nice, they are very delicious and people is receiving it really nice. Our, our challenge there, it's the way we want to sell them or the way we can sell them. So usually you sell a snack in a bag. This is dry food and it needs to be dry. And here the climate, the weather is very humid. So it becomes humid really fast if you don't keep it in a, in a place with no humidity. So well, that's, that's the challenge. And we've been trying to solve the, the waste challenge in this little company. So we are trying to sell these snacks in bulk. The idea is if I, if I sell to you, Marietta, I bring the snack in a container or in a, these uh, Ziploc bags. And then when I give them to you, you just put them in your container. And then you just get 100% your product and 0% waste. Very good. And where in Tulum can you get these delicious snacks? Orale is the name, right, of the brand? Yes, that's the name, Orale. Orale, it's a Mexican word. Orale means, okay, right now, or okay, let's go. Uh, so the name is Orale Healthy Snacks. It's this uh, mixture of the local culture, Mexican culture, and us visiting here, a lot of us foreigners and a lot of us speaking English. So it's uh, just that mixture. And you can find them uh, in Coconamor, they have them there, and also in another little store which is Naturalmente in town, and also in another place which is Solido Liquido. It's a little restaurant, very nice. You can also get in touch directly with us in the Instagram or Facebook which is orale.tulum. Wonderful. These are also amazing recommendations for travelers who come here for the first time. I will put the locations you just mentioned also in the show notes. This is also well, some of my favorite places I always go. So thank you so much for mentioning them. And since you have been working a long time in the hospitality business and also uh, you studied ecotourism, um, do you have any recommendation for travelers who come the first time to Tulum? Yeah, well, um, I have been a traveler for a long time. What I saw is that when you get to a new place, mostly if it's a new culture and it's very different from your culture, it's uh, kind of difficult to get to, to authentical places. So sometimes we just get lost in all the offer. So maybe taking the time in a nice research or taking the knowledge from people that can give you that information, like Tulumininia, for example. I think that's very, very valuable to have a real, authentical experience. If not, I mean, you, you love it anyway, but there's more. There's much more to discover and, and enjoy. And if you are having the chance to get here, better to get the best of the best, right? With all your experience from your travels and, and your work, do you think that the situation we are in right now, I mean the pandemic, 
Do you think that this might change something in the way we are gonna travel in the future? Or do you think at some point everything will be as it was before? Yeah, well, I was actually, I was perceiving people was needing this connection again with nature. I mean, there is changes. We, we have all been changing in this time. But for example, last Sunday, I went to the beach around 9 p.m. I was uh, going to Tortuguear to take care of the turtles that they are um, leaving the eggs right now on, the, on this beautiful Tulum beach. And when getting to the place, to the meeting place, I got on the hotel area and there was just the same situation than before. There was a lot of people and a lot of party and in my opinion, it's like we need more in uh, we need more time with these inner thoughts and this thing of being inside the house that everyone is recommending officially it is good because it it is in introspection so it it did made us think and feel different than always but probably we need more i don't say we need to be like this in a pandemic because there's also a lot of fear and, and everyone is scared. It's, it's not a, an enjoyable situation for a lot of people. But uh, maybe we need the habit of being uh, more introspect introspective a little bit to, to get to connect with what we like, what we need. Sometimes I found myself, and I've heard this from many people, we are doing things we don't love for our economy, for our life, like paying our rent and, and, and having our food and our family and our health. Sometimes we end up doing things we don't like. And sometimes I think, well, life is this one. And, and as far as we know, it's only, only this one. It depends on, on cultures, of course. But even though if we had more lives, let's say, it would be better to enjoy this one doing what we enjoy and love and that's what I'm always trying to choose I'm always trying to choose what I what I love what I enjoy what makes me feel good but deeply good not good for the moment like party or something <laughs> I really love what you just said that you do what or try to do always what you love and I can really see that that you have so much passion for this project for your projects, <laughs> it's more than just the Sendero Verde. And uh, yeah, I can really feel it and hear it. This is, I think also, this love you have for this project makes everything grow and it's so beautiful and green. It's it's really inspiring me as well. And that from, yeah, just a little seed of a neighborhood initiative, something big can, can grow when you just keep on watering the little seed and the plant and yeah i really really uh, thank you for for what you're doing it's amazing and there's one question i always ask in the podcast what does tulum mean to you in just one word at the moment i would say tulum it's home yeah even though i'm not from here i haven't been born not even in this culture I would say probably because of this planting and rooting and rooting and rooting materially in Sendero Verde and all this. Yeah, I would say Tulum is home. Thank you so much. Thank I you can. very much. 
can relate to this word very well. So I think this is a beautiful word to close this. And I also, as Tulumininha, uh, love to support the Sendero Verde. So that means that um, with every tour we do, we support the Sendero Verde by planting a tree, by offering our time going there and uh, planting something or there's also always uh, other work to do than planting um, and or we're helping with tools um, so yeah um, we love your project thank you thank <laughs> you very much thank you very much for um, approaching to Sendero Verde uh, it's been very nice to meet you and to know your um, your your company Tulumininha I didn't know it before and also your podcasts I, I love it a lot It has a very nice direction. I love it. I love it. Thank you. It's very, very valuable. And also regarding the, the traveling tips, probably that's from where it all started. And, and they are very valuable. It's, it's tips from a local in the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much, Mileta, for this beautiful talk. Thank you. I hope this episode inspired you to live your dream and explore the world in your own unique way. Tune in soon for another inspiring story from the women living in Tulum, Mexico. Hasta pronto, your Tulumi Niña.